Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. We're going to talk about... Wait, musicals? Is that... Yes. That's musical what we're doing theater. today. Okay, good. Yeah. A musical well, theatre piece. I was worried for a second there. My name is Miranda Selwood. I'll be taking you through the episode today along with my beautiful co-hosts, Julie Eisentrager. And Zancy Weber. You got to be last today, Zane. Hooray! How did you feel about that? You it rarely happens. I know. Anyway, I just wanted to change it up and say hello... Morgan Garrity. Hello, everyone. Our special guest today is Morgan, and she's going to be talking to us about Big Fish at Phoenix Ensemble. Big Fish. How big is the fish? It's rather large. It's a large fish? It's, it's, it's got to be big. It's quite a sizable If it's titular, fish. it's got to be big. <laughs> Just needed to get the titular word out there. It's become a thing now. I know. Oh, no. If you hadn't it's made like, it a thing. It's like me singing for the quiz. Speaking of the quiz, Morgan... <laughs> How about we get to know you <laughs> by doing the world famous guest quiz? Are you Sounds ready? Good. I'm ready. Have you stretched? I have. Yeah, yeah. you're limber. Before I came in. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> I like a guest who's well prepared. <laughs> this is great. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Which musical character would other people compare you to? I think people see me as a bit of a Mama Morton. Oh, really? Mm. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but... I was, I was picking up a vibe when you came in. I wasn't going to say anything, but... I think I think Mama Morton's my favourite character in that show. Me too. So... She's got a distinctive level of sass. <laughs> and, and you know, she she's with it. Mm. She's on top of the field. She knows how to play the system. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's how other people see you, but how would you like to be seen? What would you like to be compared to? Probably Mama Morton. <laughs> oh, right. okay, well, you're well, very self-actualised. <laughs> that's that's what you want. Well, I think that's you're ideal. doing well at life if you know people see you as you are or how you want to be. Uh, that's you great. should head out to Wakehall, see if they've got any openings. Oh my, <laughs> things Too just far. got weird. Too far. <laughs> I head out to Wakefield regularly because the RSPCA is out there and as we all know, I have a dog. Are you getting another one? No. Oh. Maybe one day. She just likes to browse. <laughs> <laughs> browse the dogs every now and then. It makes me so sad if you can't take them home. I know, it does. I, I cry. Anyway, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk, here about, to talk about fish. Um, <laughs> large fish. Uh, and Morgan's dream role. My dream role, I'm lucky enough to have played it, was Joanne. 
So that's kind of like a nice big tick in from rent. rent. So, yeah. Oh, I was going to go with Joanne from Company. I was it's, like, it's oh, yeah. One no, there are so yeah. many Joannes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a popular musical theatre name. Oh, yeah. It okay. rhymes with a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe now that you've done Joanne from Rent, mm. you, can, you can move on to Joanne yes. from Company. Yes. Hmm. 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 Okay. All right. Uh, what's your favourite Sondheim show? Uh, definitely Into the Woods. Into the Woods to grab my Is there what's the role in there that you think would be the Morgan role? Oh, the witch. <laughs> I think everyone in music, every girl in musical theatre is like, I want to be the witch. <laughs> I reckon you'd be all right as Baker's wife. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, there's so many good Just roles. Just all right. Clearly, I'm. Uh... Well, I, don't know, I don't know. Some people lie, are really attached to the role that they want to play, so you don't want to be like, "No, you're not the witch." I really think you should be more of the baker's wife. Stop dreaming of that yeah, one. Stop no. dreaming about that role. Well, Here's the... the one I'll give you. Let's move on quickly. Uh, the, your go-to shower song. The moment it's This Is Me from Greatest Showman. Oh, I've had that in my head for days. It's not that I don't like it. It's just it's been there for so long. <laughs> no, it makes me rage. It makes me rage because I hear it on the radio all the time and it's always the Kesha version and mm. it makes my blood boil. Why is there a Kesha version? She yeah. wrote it. She, well, no. Yeah. Oh. No, she, 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 she didn't, write it. didn't write. pass Pascal Paul write it, it. But she's the... She's she the, recorded the pop, it and released it. music. Yeah. Um, it makes my blood yeah. boil. The movie version... <laughs> I'm like, well, I, I prefer. I'm personally. the unseen face, not pretty enough for you guys. I'm proud to say I've never heard the Kesha version. Um, yeah. Listen, maybe you have. Starts <laughs> off, the first verse is the Kesha, and then the rest of it's the movie. <sighs> That's weird. Yeah. Weird. It threw me off because, like, oh, I hate this version, and then it changed. I was like, no, I oh, don't. All right. It's okay now. That's <laughs> so weird. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. You have to delete one musical. From existence. This question's plaguing. Just take it out and the world is a better place. <laughs> it's not there anymore. That is such a hard question. It's either hard or really easy. <laughs> <laughs> but the, like the thing, there's a number of approaches you can take. You can take the one that's just not relevant anymore or the one that is overdone or the one that is just you don't like you just don't and like you never it. have. I am... Um, <laughs> And I know it's got like a bit of a cult following, so please don't hate me if you love it. But I really want to get rid of Xanadone. How dare I'm you! Sorry, get out of my house! I'm my mind. Right. Mic- microphone's peaking there, darling. It's okay. I'll I just got a little bit more confrontational this episode. <laughs> So no 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 no. I I am more (laughs) I am more than willing to accept that Xana Don't is not a great musical, (laughs) and that I have a blind spot where Xana Don't is. Yeah, yeah. Which we have Mm. talked about. Yes, we have. Mm. Yep. I think we should move on. Zany, you okay to move on? I'm fine to move on. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, let's take a break. Morgan's one of my favourite people, don't you know? Zane, can you click the... Please click the button. Let us talk about Big Fish, the musical. Not the film, the musical. Mm. Yeah. Tell us about it. Not the book this time either. Book written in 1998, which was, I didn't know it was a book. I thought it went straight to film, but 
It's a book. Twas. I think yeah. I think I knew Twas. the film was based on a book. I think I knew that. I'm mm. not sure. I have to admit, like I saw the film when it came out. What was that like? Oh three, something like that. Uh, yeah. It must have been yeah, been long after the book. It came out 2003. Mm. The novel was 98, and yeah. I just want to put it out there. It's one of my favorite movies. So wow. no nice. trash talking, please. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to, but I might find some now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and uh, headed to uh, tryouts in 2013. So it's not a very old show. No. Um, speaking of history of it, it doesn't have a very big one, but it's got an interesting one because uh, it was not well received. No, in the slightest. <laughs> was some, reading a bit of that. Yeah, <laughs> some critics loved it and they thought it was great, but I think it was just not. I don't know, didn't have enough grandiose for the subject matter maybe for a Broadway stage? I'm not sure. Mm. I, I think the book is is difficult mm. because it is kind of the two stories in one. It's mm. hard to do either story justice mm. because, like, is it is it really about the father or is it about the son? And, yeah, I think... Isn't even it somewhat the, about their relationship very and how they so, relate yeah. to definitely. each other? It definitely is. There are um, other shows like that that have that dual sort of storyline, but I think it works better in film and in print than... I think it's easier to comprehend in film because you've just got so much more you can work with mm. to communicate that. Yeah. Whereas on stage you've got... You can only you know, look a jacket at one change thing and a hat change, yes. and it's like, oh, I'm 30 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that can um, go over people's heads at times, which is difficult. But um, yeah, I think also to the the Broadway production. Look, I don't judging from everything I've read on it and all the reviews and everything. It's it seemed like it was lacking maybe the passion. I don't know. Yeah, there seem to be two sort of schools of thought mm. on it that the original production had too much sort of special effects and tried to make it look big budget and Mm. impressive and didn't quite hit the mark on the characters and the storyline. I think that's what I was talking about with the two stories is mm. because one story is big, bright, bold and magical and the other is very intimate. Mm. Well, later, the first, that first... Broadway production really focused on that the big, bright and magical kind of thing. But productions after that all became really intimate and started to use, you know, sort of pretend magic and really focus mm. on the imaginary... Because the Sydney production was a bit like that, wasn't it? It was mm. more of a... I think it was like down. a one-set yeah. show. Yeah. It was a stripped-down version, which... I, I didn't see it, but I've heard that it was fantastic, so... Well, obviously it works better in that forum mm. as far as connecting with the audience goes. Yeah, mm. and I think... Um, and, I mean, obviously it's got... When it went to London, it had um, Kelsey Grammer as Edward and yeah. that got some mixed reviews. I found an article that the title of the article was... Where, where is it? Kelsey Grammer can't save this musical from sinking. Mm. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's, that's the it's, title. Yeah. That's not harsh. ambiguous. But it was it was heavily adjusted for Kelsey Grammer because he wasn't, I don't think, vocally capable of mm. a lot of Edward's music and, and it was so heavily adjusted. He didn't even do that full run either. No, no. And um, like they were saying, oh, it was pretty much a straight play up until like a good chunk in and I'm like, that's because they took it out because... He couldn't sing he it. He couldn't really do it. 
Um, <laughs> Bless. Kelsey, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you tried. I'm, I'm sure Good he job. knows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, that was, yeah, disheartening that it's it's not been... Uh, Received, that has not been received well mm. in the past with professional mm. productions, but it's got such a great capacity for it's a really this great amazing story. show. Oh, amazing story, mm. amazing music. Um, oh, I think it's, yeah, so it's composed by Lipper mm. um, with book by John August, mm. who also did the screenplay the, for yeah. the movie. Yeah. Oh, that's, mm. yeah. Mm. That's I like that. I like that when that happens because then you get a pretty good... Matching. It is. It is quite yeah. true to the movie. There's a. Mm. There's a little bit of. I'll, I'll talk about it a bit later. There are a few changes mm. between the show and the and the film, but they did. The main thrust of the story is the same between Absolutely. the two. So yeah, that's nice when that happens. Yeah. So we're not. We're not talking Tony Awards and totally snubbed. Oh. Not even nominated. Yep. For any. Wow. Yep. Big fish. What fish? That's the well, I, uh, the, the headline that I read was Big Fish, Little Fish at Tony Awards. Mm. Oh, great, guys. Good job. <laughs> like a Dr. Seuss musical. <laughs> Way to be rude. Red fish, blue fish. <laughs> Big fish, little fish. Oh, what fish? <laughs> there was a fish? Well, I, I think that um, maybe if it had it'd been off-Broadway in a smaller space, it wasn't a multi-million dollar budget... Maybe they just went the wrong way with the material. Yeah, I think you've got to have a really smart head about you, which our director, Tammy Linders, she's all over it in terms of um, what her vision is for the show. And I think it's a show that requires uh, just a good balance. Like, you But need also to to Phoenix b- is such an intimate it space. Is. Like this, sh- that you couldn't do this show big, grand and magical. No. It doesn't have elephants in it and things. <laughs> How would you get an elephant in the, the tiny... How are you going to get a, a, a lake with a mermaid and a giant fish in it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> good question. The titular big fish. The titular, the titular big fish. Oh, yeah. Stop it. <laughs> But, well, I mean, that's the that's the thing with Phoenix too. We've done, like, when we did Little Mermaid, you know, the script called for a boat to ship to fly in from the ceiling. I was like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. But that um, was a Little Mermaid. That was a this little is one. a big fish. <laughs> All right, let's find out what happens in uh, Big Fish. Zane's going to tell us a little more about it. After the break. Sure, yeah. Told a total lie. Zane is not going to tell us a thing about the plot. I could. I know a lot about the plot. Do you? It's one of my favorite movies. What we'll tag team it. it. We'll see what happens. Julie's going to tell us about the plot. I and am. Zane's going to jump in and tell us where I it am. differs from the film. Yeah. All oh right. My. Let's do this, guys. This is where you need to pause the podcast. Go grab a cup of tea. Come back. Oh no! The plot takes a whole five pages. Is this like music again? It doesn't. It doesn't need to. Done it well. If you know the story, it doesn't need to. Curtain rises in Alabama on Edward Bloom, who is skipping rocks on the river. His son Will, who is about to get married, comes to ask Edward, aka Dad, not to make a toast or tell any of his crazy stories at the wedding because Edward's kind of known for that gig. Edward cannot understand why Will feels this way, but assures him, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do it. 
I bet he does. I bet he tells all the wacky stories. We then enter one of many flashbacks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Flashbacks. Do, when... have a, do you have a harp? Yeah. <laughs> we need a harp. Entering the flashback to when Will was a child, Edward tells him a story. Edward is walking down the river when he meets a man trying to catch a, f- catch a fish to no avail. So Edward teaches him that the proper way to catch a fish is by doing the Alabama stomp, saying, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Stealing from the Bible. Teach a man the Alabama stomp, you feed his soul. Creepy. In the end, a giant fish jumps out of the water into the fisherman. Wait, did we just skip to the end of the whole show? (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Nah. You gotta go full circle. The titular fish happens early on. When he finishes the story, Edward's wife, Sandra, tells him that it's time for Will to go to bed. Edward refuses behind her back and tells Will another story of a witch that Edward meets as a teenager who showed Edward um, and his high school enemy, Don Price, how they would die. Oh, fun, fun tales. <laughs> the story returns to the present day to where Edward suspects that Will's fiance Josephine is pregnant. Oh, he smells... A rat. Oh, smells a rat. Ooh. Or a baby. <laughs> he tells uh. Will... <laughs> Tells Will of his suspicion, and after jokingly pushing the response from Will, his suspicion is confirmed. But Will tells Edward that he cannot go around telling people because it's too soon, and statistically, it might not happen. Oh, that's so awkward. At the wedding reception, Edward noisily decides to make a toast, like he's been asked not to. I predicted it. I know. Saying he has recently decided to become a grandfather. I'm sorry, but this is when I was like, what a dick. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? Anyway. But he, he does it in a charming southern way. I know, but like really when you think about Edward, he's like, me, 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 me. Listen to a story about me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind that's of the, the point much of the, the show. Part. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyway, it's a pivotal moment, <laughs> and that he has reason to believe that his wish may come sooner than expected. Serious dick move there, Eddie. This whole situation, of course, angers Will and as Josephine takes the shocked crowd to catch the bouquet, Will and Edward have an argument. Um, Obviously, Will's just super mad that Dad didn't do what he was told. Um, After that, Sandra breaks up the argument before one of them says something they can't take back. The reception ends. Dramatic. (laughs) Are all of the uh, stage directions in power? (laughs) (laughs) While leaving the celebration, Edward's doctor, one of the guests, noticed that Edward seems to be in pain and suggests that he comes in for an examination. Also, kind of an odd plot point there. Like, oh, you look like you're in pain. You should come and visit. Yes, so my office hours are blah, blah, and it's going to be about $120. (laughs) It just seems like he wants more money. At the hospital, Edward and Sandra discover that well, – I've missed out a huge chunk. Edward and Sandra discover that the cancer – okay, yeah, no, I haven't. That the cancer Edward has been fighting has spread beyond where imagined. My, my, how unfortunate. Uh, though Edward has been hiding his cancer from Will, his doctor thinks he and Will should have a talk about it. At the same time, in the hospital back where Will and Josephine live in New York City, they discover that their child is a boy. 
Yay. It's a boy. Later that day in Central Park, Will sings of the wonder and mystery of his future child and promises to strengthen his relationship with his father, who he sees as a stranger. But his joy is interrupted by a phone call from his mum being like, yeah, dad's not good, eh? That is not a direct quote. (laughs) (laughs) You might. The Australian rewrite. (laughs) You might want to pop on home. I got the cup. I got the kettle on. Let's have a cup because dad is not good. All right, let's let's keep let's keep pushing through. <laughs> yeah, we're not finished page two yet. In Ed, Edward and Sandra's shed in Alabama, Sandra tells Will that although he and Edward can be a handful, she loves them both, which is delightful. Um, they travel to their backyard, and Edward and Josephine enter, and it appears she is being entertained by his stories. Whatever. She is enamoured by his life and stories and wishes to hear them all. So he launches into another tale of his high school days. He was the hero of the small town Ashton and when... What? <laughs> Let me stop you right there. This is the first change from the movie. Okay. Is that Ashton is um, basically his hometown and the magical town that he wants to save from destruction. Whereas in the movie, there is another mythical town called Spectre that he leaves Ashton, finds uh, Spectre, and then he spends his whole life trying to save Spectre. No, obviously, from didn't want to build extra sets. Yeah. No, it is, it is a confusing Spectre's little bit. Spectre's quite, yeah. quite an intricate little town. And yes. <laughs> anyone who um, doesn't quite remember the film, it's the one where you can't wear shoes. Yeah, they take your shoes and they throw them over a high wire so you can't get them. Well, leave. then there's just going to be a whole bunch of people looking for drugs come to that one town because they're like, look at all these shoes on the wire. <laughs> well, it's in the middle of a forest, so anyone who gets there is kind of like, ah, oh, you're part of the Party town, town now. <laughs> anyway, so he tells them that he was the boyfriend of the head cheerleader, Jenny Hill. Remember that name. The town of Ashton, Alabama is scared because of a giant living in a nearby cave. So to get to the bottom of the situation, Edward volunteers to talk to him. He has no fear because he knows he's not going to get killed by the giant because a witch told him he wasn't going to be. Um, He goes to the cave and introduces himself to the giant named Carl, delightful name for a giant, and convinces him to join him on the journey away from Ashton. Nice. Back in the present, Josephine and Will are looking through Edward's old files. Josephine is excitedly talking about Will's, uh, Edward's stories while Will expresses his concern that his father will die and he will not know who he is. So he's like, he's told me all these tales, but I'm not. not I'm not it. buying it, guys. Josephine suggests that um, if he makes a list of all his father's stories and each of their morals, he might learn what kind of person his father actually is. So he begins listing some of them but is interrupted when Josephine finds a deed to a house in Ashton signed by Jenny Hill and Edward. I'll stop you again. Dun, dun, dun. In the movie, uh, Jenny Hill and the witch are kind of like the same person. Hey. So, mm. w- well, yeah, so basically it's part of his story yeah. that Jenny Hill is the witch and she lives in that house and she's become this other character. Oh. In the musical, they are separate characters mm. entirely. Oh, I kind of like that though. Anyway, mm. so she thinks he this proves that Edward must be telling the truth, but Will denies it and questions why the deed even exists in the first place. Um, but it sparks a conversation of Edward and Sandra's meeting. While Will believes they met in college, Josephine explains that it's not what Edward told her. Will asks which of the versions of the story she was told and there is another flashback. Harp music. 
Edward has taken Carl to try out for a circus. When they get there, three girls are auditioning with their song and dance routine. Edward notices one of the girls, Sandra, and it's love at first sight. He convinces the ringmaster, Amos Calloway, to hire Carl and then agrees to work for the circus for free in exchange for one clue about Sandra each month. Creepy. That's what we call a stalker, guys. (laughs) Wait. Each month. Yep. One clue per month. Yep. So obviously she's not hired by the circus and Mm. Amos knows uh, he's... Godfather, or just knows her father. I think he knows her father because her father's a bit well-to-do. Yeah, and yeah, wouldn't want so she 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 runs away and creepy, creepy, creepy. After three years of working at the circus, Edward asks why I know why he will not tell him her name, and Amos says that secrets are the backbone of society. Later that night, Edward finds Amos in his true form, a werewolf. (laughs) <laughs> wow! Well, these are fantastical stories. Yeah, I know, That's it's great. Why he doesn't it's great. That. I love it. <laughs> I actually love it. Upon learning Amos's big secret, Edward finally convinces him to tell him what he wants to know. Her name. Her name. He says her name is Sandra Templeton, and she goes to the Auburn University, and she loves daffodils. Well, that is three things. I know that is three months. He was worth. feeling I, I generous. Think he's, in the movie, he learned the daffodils quite early. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. then, I think it was the first thing. Yeah, like her favourite flower is daffodils. Yeah. And then onwards and the last I time. I worked for a whole month and all I got was she likes daffodils. <laughs> I'd be well, so sore. Now you understand why he was so frustrated and found his boss in his, his werewolf form and blackmailed him. <laughs> <laughs> So Edward travels over 700 miles in a cannon to Auburn University and finds Sandra only to discover that she is engaged to <gasps> Don Price, uh. his high school nemesis. When Don sees Edward take, talk, <laughs> lol, can't read. When Don sees Edward talking to Sandra, he beats him to the ground. Whoa! Sandra breaks up with Don because why wouldn't you? And when Don asks, "You love this guy?" She responds, well, he's just a stranger, but I prefer him to you. Ouch. Mm. Edward proposes to Sandra. <laughs> tough to say to your <laughs> fiancé. Yeah. <laughs> Edward proposes to Sandra, and though she is hesitant at first. Because he, she has no idea who he is. He assures her that they will love each other and for, uh, forever and promises her a life full of daffodils. Wow. Actually, to be honest, if someone promised me a life full of Jonquils, I'd probably say yes. I just like flowers. <laughs> Jonquils in particular? Yeah, they're my favourite flower. <laughs> what if what if daffodils? Like, If no, because that's a, I mean, it's a bulb flower still, but it's not as like good a smell as, as Jonquils. Okay. And if they can keep them in, in my house all year round, which is a talent. Does everyone else have a favourite flower? No? No, I don't think just I do truly? have a favourite flower. I'm partial to lilies. Yeah. Yeah. I like a jasmine. Nice. We all like like a delightfully smelling flower. (laughs) Act two. Oh my gosh. The show continues as Edward leads young Will and some other boys in a Boy Scout troop to make a bonfire. He tells them the story of when. On stage? You can't have fire on stage. 
You can if it's properly Bang. managed. All right. Let's move on. He tells the story of when he was in the war. Sandra and some showgirls were performing for the military troops when a masked man appears on stage to kill the general. Edward goes on stage and discovers that the masked man is Red Fang, an infamous sniper. <clears throat> Sorry. I'll stop you here Half-tracked. as well. My? Yes. Uh, in the movie, these showgirls... Uh, his wife stays at home and the showgirls are actually conjoined twins and he rescues them from <sighs> Vietnam, I yeah. want to say, yeah. and brings them back to America. Mm. Love Difficult to, re- to cast. <laughs> <laughs> After a long battle on stage alongside the showgirls, he successfully kills Red Fang. Edward tells the boys that some people say it was the turning point of the war. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> But when young Will asks which war, he's unable to answer. This you know, adds to... The, the war. You know, the big one. That one. The big the, one. The, the, the one with the one. bangs and stuff. <laughs> the one with the guns and the shooty. Yeah. But when young... Oh, sorry. Blah, blah, blah. This adds to young Will's growing doubts of his father's stories. Later on, Edward tells Sandra and Will he has to travel for a while for his work as a travelling salesman. Duh. Will is upset, but Edward tells him he must be brave and fight the dragons. That becomes important later. Literal dragons? No, the going away (laughs) bit. Nothing that he says is literal. Okay, so (laughs) that's kind of the point of the show. (laughs) The big fish is a metaphor. You might learn a lesson from that later, Miranda. Uh, Metaphors? No. (laughs) In the present, Will nervously prepares to confront Edward about the deed he and Josephine found as he always has been suspicious that Edward has been having an affair. (gasps) With the witch? No, sorry. No, with the one who (laughs) was the witch but is not the witch now. Edward is lying in bed because he can, because he has cancer and he has full right to do that. When Will comes in and asks about the Ashton... But before he can address his suspicions, Edward goes angry and yells at him for wrongly accusing him of something. And, yeah, I would too. He yells at him to get out and Sandra comes in to calm him down and get him to sleep. He falls into an uneasy sleep. Can I just say, Yeah, you have switched on Edward. In Act 1 you were all like, <laughs> Edward's the worst. And you're like, no. He has cans. He can sleep as much as he wants. You get out of the you get out of the room, Will. You and your practicality. You and your <laughs> wish for honesty. When you have cancer, you can lay on all day, but don't. Um, he falls into an uneasy sleep and has a dream that he and Will have a Western style duel. Um, and they trial over the issue with the outcome being a sentence of hanging for lying and having a house with Jenny. That makes no sense, but enjoy. My dreams have been weirder. Yeah, right. <laughs> Especially if you eat cheese just before you go to bed. <laughs> he wakes up screaming and as Sandra calms him and comforts him, it begins to rain. Classic. Edward says the roof should hold up for another 10 years after he's gone and Sandra tells him, I don't need a roof. <laughs> Everyone needs a roof. Well, she doesn't need a roof, a roof to feel at home. As much as she... I think they actually mean so long as she loves him. He falls asleep in her arms and she begs, stay with me, Devo. Will, 
Unable to get answers from Edward, goes to visit Jenny Hill in Ashton to find the truth, which also I think is a bit of a rude move. This is one of the few scenes that I remember clearly from the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Is that random? It is random. Random. When uh, he maybe you're just a Helen and Bottom Carter fan. Who isn't? It's mm, some people. True. Oh. <laughs> when he blatantly asks if she was having an affair with Edward. She says by telling him what happened, she's afraid that it'll warp his view of his own dad. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Probably can't do that because I already think dad's a bit crazy. <laughs> so Jenny tells him the story of what happened when Edward returned to Ashton when Will was just a small boy. So this is when he's like, I'm off to be a salesman. This is what actually happened. Another flashback. Hop, 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 hop. Edward returns to Ashton to learn that the town was going to be flooded and he finds the citizens and the mayor... Don Price. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Don Price. I'm the mayor. Oh, you want? I want. Anyway, <laughs> having oh, this is how good Don Price's ideas are. Oh, this is another change They've of the movie. Yeah. Shamed themselves to a statue in the center of the town out of protest. How do you protest a flood? Uh, <laughs> I don't want the flood to come. I'm going to train myself to a statue. I mean, there, there have been protests of that sort in Queensland when they what? go to when they go to dam a river and they're like, no, that's our farmland. Please don't flood it. And so it's like, let's clear the way. Let's right. fix it. Yeah. So how does that differ from the movie? Well, a Don Price. You actually see him die quite young in the movie. He doesn't Aww. become the man. On the toilet. On the toilet, yes. That's how he dies. <laughs> yeah. he, is it a heart attack? Very the Elvis. Yes. It was a heart attack after he beat up Edward. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very Elvis, I like it. And the town's not in risk of flooding. When it's Spectre in the film, it's uh, at risk of redevelopment. Yes. Yeah. Basically, it's it's lost all its charm and a road has come in, so it's accessed by the outside and so he needs to kind of pitch in and... Save the he town. Buys, he like, buys everything. Town, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he learns they only have an hour before the flood covers the town and no one with power even knows they're there. Despite Don's resentment of Edward, Don's brother Zaki and the people of Ashton convince Edward to take action with reluctant permission of Don. He visits Amos and Carl, who have both become rich and successful after being inspired by Edward, of course. Yep, I'm back on hating. <laughs> <laughs> Using the land from Amos and the money from Carl, he provides the citizens with a new town saying that Ashton isn't a place, it's a community. He convinces Aww. them all to move there instead of drown in the inevitable flood. <laughs> what a great option. Everyone leaves <laughs> except for Jenny, who explains her heartbreak when Edward never returned and how she's loved him all this time. Way to emotionally bully someone. <laughs> or just be emotionally honest. Either way. You make a good point. Edward <laughs> says that he's returned now and he wants to start a new life with her. He buy, Which is a dog move when you've got a baby and a woman at home. Anyway, he buys a house for himself and Jenny that he has signed for but suddenly regrets his decision and expresses his love for his wife, which he should do, saying he can only truly love her. He leaves Jenny with another broken heart never to return again. Bye, Jenny. That conflict's a little different in the movie as well. Yeah, yeah. it's the the whole Ashton thing is a little different. Like he didn't doesn't convince Amos and Carl to move back there. He does kind of call on them and their resources to help buy the town, and the town just yeah. kind of regenerates and prospers. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was never really explicit mm. with Jenny. And well, with Jenny, it was more of a case because the high school sweetheart 
is a different person in the movie. Yes. And Jenny was a child when he first Jenny visited the town. Jenny was a little girl oh, when he was first there cuter. when he came yeah, back. Yeah, and she had like she a had crush on him yeah. and oh, waited so for him to cute. come back. But he didn't. when he signs the deed, it's for purely to save yeah, the house and the Purely town. so that he can fix the house that was so almost about to fall yeah. over. Adorable. At the end of um, visiting Jenny, Will receives a phone call and must go um, visit his father at the hospital. It's not looking good. When he arrives to the hospital, he asks if Edward is going to be okay. Sandra and Josephine simply and solemnly shake their heads no. There is nothing left that can be done. Sandra and Josephine go downstairs to get him some water and leave Will alone with his unconscious father. When his doctor, a longtime friend of Edward's, comes in, Will asks how he would describe his father. He responds by saying he was a strong man with a good heart. When asked if Edward could hear them, he responds, eh, who knows? Um, or to use the exact quote, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to say whether or not someone can hear you. Harder still to know if they're listening. Or... <laughs> the, <laughs> oh. <laughs> look how much I can say. In I a, think it's a direct translation. Into mosquito? <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> I mean, a couple of people. Anyway, the doctor leaves um, Will alone once again with his father. He talks to him, saying that if you put all his stories together, they create a myth. And finally, he understands the reason for his stories. He's interrupted by Edward staring and urgently asking Will to tell him the story of how he dies. Will explains that he doesn't know it because he was never told the story. Um, he asks how, asks how it starts, to which Edward responds like this. Will continues from there and makes up his own story of Edward escaping from the prison cell, realising the reason he is sick is because he's been out of the water too long. They will drive to the river where everyone from his stories is waiting for him as Will sings that Edward has finally finished telling his perfect tale. At the river, Edward sings his... Edward sings his love for all his memories and friends when he notices that someone is missing... Sandra appears and they embrace one last time. They lead him back to his hospital bed and uh, as they disappear one by one, leaving Edward alone with Will, Edward's life has come to an end. Debo. A little (laughs) bit, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, Debo. (laughs) (laughs) That inflection is all the different. Debo. The funeral takes place at the river's edge where it is apparent that Will is telling the same story that Edward told in the opening number. As the guests drop a flower and shake Will's hand one by one, he sees that each appeared to be reflections of characters from Edward's stories. Last in line, a tall man drops his flower and smiles at Edward's grave. Will shakes his hand and asks for his name. He simply responds, I'm Carl. A few years later, Will and his son return to the river as he begins to tell him the stories just as Edward did to him. Finn. So. Get it. Again, Big the, fish. End, the end is Finn. a little different. Big fish. Yeah, Finn. I got it. I'm ignoring it. I'm Enjoy trying the to move puns, on. going to push on. <laughs> the ending just is, is a little Zane. different. It doesn't push it like full circle mm. in the movie. It's just kind of like he goes to the funeral and sees kind of the the real life versions of the exaggerations that appeared in the story. So mm. the conjoined twins were just 
twins and the the giant 20-foot-tall man was just like a 7-foot-tall man. Mm. Although Danny DeVito played Amos in the film and I don't think you can really change that. He's just real nope. short. He's just a werewolf. <laughs> He's just, He's a, just a werewolf. Just a werewolf. <laughs> just a werewolf. <laughs> but it does make Carl look taller. Winner, winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it was lengthy but we got there in the end. Mm. Yeah. So it's a lot to pack in. Yeah. Mm. And um, listening to it, I can sort of – it's hard to know where the classic music theatre that people might expect would fit into that yeah. complexity it's, of storyline. Yeah, I think the classical style of musical theatre definitely comes from the uh, story side of the musical. Mm. So anything that's with um, Edward doing his grand adventures that we do flashbacks to, that's – more of musical the number. But also we don't really very musical, musical. have any conflict in the actual music mm. because he he kind of gets the girl straight away and it, all the songs are kind of about him doing something great and grand and the conflict comes in the scenes. Mm. So the songs are kind of kind of repetitive theme-wise, yeah. while they, they are interesting to listen to by themselves, it's, it's not – they don't, like, drive the story. Yeah. 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 And I, because the story is not presented in a linear fashion, I think it's, yeah. it also makes it a little harder to digest for the average audience. But do you know what's nice? A good flashback. A good flashback <laughs> with a harp. <laughs> Let's play the harp now, Zane. do Let's figure out where all those songs go, Zane. Tell us about them. Well, for such a, an intricate story, there's not a lot Just of two. music. Just two, right? Just two songs. No, there's a lot more than two. Okay. But <laughs> there's not, like, a lot of songs. Uh, and a lot of them, oh, I guess Act 2 does get a lot of reprises as well. I so, love a reprise. So we've got, we've got Morgan here at the table. You are, you know a lot about the show. Yeah. I think I'll just listen through. Can you let me know, like, what it's about, what the best thing is about it? I have opinions on my favourites, so I'll definitely let you know mm, what, what mine do. are. Because there are a lot of great songs in this musical for men. Mm. Oh, definitely. There are. Uh, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, and especially for tenors. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, tenors <laughs> never get any good songs in shows, do they? Look. <laughs> They're so hard done by. I know, poor tenors. <laughs> Feeling a little bit attacked right now. Welcome to my uh, world, Zane. No one ever takes pity on a soprano. Oh no, sopranos! I pity Ugh, sopranos. Don't talk to me about sopranos. <laughs> okay, so we open up with "Be the Hero," which is Edward Bloom and Company. This is basically him talking about being the hero of your own story, laying out the thesis of the musical right there. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, the witch sequence. Which is the witch Edward Bloom and uh, company? What happens in that one, Morgan? Uh, the witch sequence—it's uh, just basically a pre-song yeah. moment, in in essence. And then we have another sequence called the ultrasound sequence. So again, not a real. Just sounds fun. Song. That's all. That sounds like a fun <laughs> song. Is it mostly like jelly squirting? Like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, then we have Stranger by Will Bloom, which mm. is the opposite of Be the Hero, which is like I don't know my father. Mm. Right. And yeah. it's, it is one of the songs that d- does provide conflict. Yeah. There's not a lot of them, but that is one of them. And it's a, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely beautiful. Sorry to just sort of jump back. Overview, what style of music are we talking? Uh, pretty classical musical theatre. Yeah. Like it's, it's not poppy. No. It's, it's, it is kind of I mean, full orchestra. You get those shows that have a classical musical theatre styling but the vocal and the inflections can reflect a more contemporary sound mm. and yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. of those kinds of ones where it's it doesn't quite fit in either genre but it's enjoyable for that because <laughs> you're not sitting there going, oh, classic. Uh, um, it's a modern-esque, of, classical-ish Well, kind musical. of like The Music Man and Where? Wizard of Oz. Mm. That sort of sound but modernised. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it, it is a lot of fun to listen. It's and lyrical. I, I would uh, in the, very much In so. the musical sense, it's yeah. lyrical. Yeah. I, I, w- I would if, very much uh, encourage my co-host to listen to this musical <laughs> at any point in the future. I um, <laughs> you I can't wanna, see it, but I just flipped him off, guys. <laughs> I, I want to jump back it. just for a millisecond to this witch sequence. I yeah. think I um, thought it was a pre-song, but I think that includes the song that the witch sings, which is yes about how yeah. he's going to die and stuff like that, which is really really cool because it, it's the whole reason that Edward kind of does this whole "I'm not afraid of anything, I'm so brave" is because he, he knows how he's going to die, yeah. and this whole song is being like, "This is why you should know." How you're gonna die? Because you have no fear then. Yeah. So that's what that song's about. Just wanted to. So then we get uh, the two men in my life, which is Sandra Bloom, the mother, singing about the conflict between father and son, and Ashton's favorite son, which is the company, basically singing the praises. Mm -hmm. Bless. Uh, Out there on the road, Edward Bloom, Carl, Jenny Hill, and company. Uh, Anything fun about that one you want to say, Morgan? I mean, I think the title of the song is pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. Yeah. yeah, it's a traveling. <laughs> it's song. It's a travel song. <laughs> uh, Little Lamb from Alabama. <laughs> this is a <laughs> kitschy bit that doesn't really serve the story. It's the showgirls, isn't it? Yes, this is this is where he sees uh-huh, Sandra for the first time. I knew where it belonged in the plot. <laughs> well done, <laughs> Gold Star for Julie. Thank you. Uh, time stops which oh. is uh, Edward Bloom and Sandra Templeton. That's a beautiful song. And this references what they did in the movie, which mm. is as soon as he saw her, everything froze and he was like walking Through towards her. Yeah, and, like yeah. pushing popcorn <laughs> aside and ducking under elephants and things. Uh, so that's a fun little kind of callback that only people who watch the movie would, would get. Mm. Uh, closer to her, which is Amos Calloway, Edward Bloom and Company, uh, and we finish with Daffodils, which is Edward Bloom and Sandra Templeton. No. Kind of, and it's a weird place to end Act 1 on kind of the getting the girl. Yeah, you normally you end your Act 1 on a conflict on a that conflict, is unresolved, yeah. yeah. But well, that's um, true to this style show, just throwing it out there. When you come to see the show, please know that there is an intermission. Do not leave thinking the show is done. <laughs> I am. Not a one act. <laughs> Currently on the website booking my ticket. <laughs> uh, okay, so we open Act 2 with Red, White and True, which is Sandra Bloom, Edward Bloom and company. This is, again, uh, when she's performing for the troops and leads into fight 
uh, well, that's when and rescues whatever, fights the whatever he is called, the red devil. Fang. 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 There we go. <laughs> that one. Red devil. <laughs> it was red something. I play Dungeons and Dragons. It gets very confusing. <laughs> you put a colour with a bad guy name. Uh, uh, then fight the dragons, which is Edward Bloom and young Will Bloom, which is probably my favourite song yeah, of the show. It's a bit amazing. Um, and again, that's kind of it's kind of him imparting his wisdom mm. to the to Will yeah. and then Will just doesn't get it. Yet. He's a kid in that one, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's, he's a, a little more receptive, but not really. And, and doesn't Edward get the subtext. Tries, of he tries course, so yeah. hard, Edward, to yeah. impart these morals that. But he never. <laughs> he's, just, he's slightly questioning. It's, it's kind of the one thing that gets me in the movie as well. It's like if he just pulled away from the story for five <laughs> minutes and just said, "It's a metaphor. <laughs> Think about my stories as a metaphor." I'm going to go back to telling my stories now. <laughs> <laughs> Far less questions. Uh, we have Stranger Reprise, uh, which is Will again feeling uh, feeling feelings about being separated from his father. And Showdown Sequence, which is the dream ballet. <laughs> it's not a dream ballet, this is, but it is a dream sequence. I don't promise it's a dream ballet if there's no dream ballet. <sighs> oh, you're, all right. <laughs> um, I don't need a roof, which is again Sandra Bloom, uh, basically saying that don't worry about me as long as I've got you, I'm fine. And Sandra Bloom is, I think, an underrated character in oh, this absolutely. show because it is it is kind of about the father and son, but she is like that the rock that these two. She's these, what connects them. Oh, if she yeah, wasn't there, yeah. they would just be completely separated. estranged. Yeah. yeah. Uh, start over by Edward Bloom, Don Price, Amos Calloway, Carl, uh, Zaki Price and company, and then start over reprise with Edward Bloom. This is where they're fixing up the town. What's next? Will Bloom, Edward Bloom and company, which is him telling the story of how his father dies in a mythical turn, how it ends. Oh, sorry. What's next is them leading up to how it ends. Uh, which is how it ends on um, sadness. And then Be the Hero reprise, Will Bloom singing to his son. Mm, starting again. Starting again. Hopefully Will will learn from his lessons <laughs> and tell metaphor. his son. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Uh, yeah, and that, that's it. Yeah. Aww. Sweet. So very little for ladies in this in this. Musical. Not very little. Um, There's still a bit in there. For one lady. Sandra, Josephine. And Jenny Hill Josephine once. Sing, yeah. I think. Pardon? I Josephine doesn't sing, does she? No, no. No. Jenny is kind of out there on the road. Yeah. But other than that. It's so, yeah, mainly the witch gets Sandra. Song. The witch yeah. has an awesome Alabama song. Alabama It's like they're in there. They get to sing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it is, it is really definitely. mostly. It's a male uh, And again, yeah. I think Sandra only gets those songs so that her role wasn't empty. Mm. Whereas mm. in the movie, like, oh, who plays her in the movie? A really great. I see her face. Uh, she's the, the one from American Horror Story. She's wonderful and she really does so much with so little. Mm. I think 
asking an actress to do that in a musical without songs would be impossible. So I think yeah. I think they're necessary and they served well. But again, it is a very man heavy musical. Tenor driven. Jessica. Yes. Lang. Yeah. Well, Ed <laughs> Ed is a Barry, but Will is a tenor. It's Jessica. Jessica Lange, yeah. yes. How could I forget? How could you forget? How could I forget? But that's the music. Well, she's Before be we forget to move yep. on, let's <laughs> move on. Well, I just wanted to say... No, we've moved on. 14-piece orchestra. Yeah. Cool. So two keyboards, two guitars, uh, bass or bass guitar, drums, percussion, woodwind, uh, English horn, oboe, alto flute, clarinet, soprano sax, alto sax, Mo- tenor sax. Multi-reeds. Yeah. Multi-reeds. All the reeds, trumpet, French horn, violin, Many strings. horns, many strings. Yeah. So if an orchestra. Uh, if you've ever been to Phoenix, I think you'll uh, already understand that that's going to be refined a little bit. <laughs> oh, so you'll be adding more, of course. Oh. You'll, you'll, you'll double everything. 100%. Really fill everyone. that intimate space <laughs> with yeah. just... Just musicians. We don't have any seats available. It's just for the orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> that could make an interesting show. Just surrounded by orchestra <laughs> and just have like four or five seats in the middle that I are can't for the hear audience. What they're saying. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're you're immersed in the music mm. and immersed feeling the, the little droplets of sweat coming off the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be sitting at the tail end no. of the trumpet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. All right, someone said something okay. about moving on? Yeah, no, let's yeah. indeed move on. Let's talk about all the people who have done the show at various times. Um, there's not too many variations, I suppose you would say. So we're going to talk about uh, the Chicago tryout, which went into the Broadway pretty much with the same cast, just the witch changed over. Um, and then we're going to talk about the next production, which... Was in Sydney, guys. Yeah. We got it before London. Can I just put that out there? Um, only just, though, right? Only just, <laughs> but I'm going to take it. Yes, I am. Shut that front door. Okay, so the original production um, did an out-of-town tryout in Chicago, um, April to May of 2013. And the cast featured Norbert Leo Butts as uh. Edward Bloom. <laughs> now, hasn't he done well for himself, hasn't he? Yes. With a name like Butts. With a name like Butts. <laughs> I think you can trade on that, though. Yeah. Like, people will remember your name mm. if it is Butts. Many people trade on Butts. Uh, All right. Good. Uh, I walked and into that Kate one. Baldwin played Sandra. <laughs> Bobby Steggert as Will, Crystal Joy Brown played Josephine, friend of the show Brad Oscar as Amos Calloway and Ryan Andes as Carl. That's the giant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Carl is the giant. So the show was directed and choreographed by Susan Stroman who's done a lot of stuff as a combined director-choreographer so you can uh, look her up on the wiki and check it if you'd like to see her other things. Yes, yes indeed. And they had a bunch of people on for scenic design and costumes that was really design-driven that first show. As we talked about before it didn't really do so well it because was very pretty though it, i'm sure it was very pretty um the so a couple of the reviews spoke mainly about norbert leo butts and said hey, this guy carried the show he was great you kind of want your edward to carry the show yeah. though like i feel like that's kind of a prerequisite oh, no they did their all job they said <laughs> that's all they said they, like that's where the positivity ended yeah. in a lot of the reviews, which was um, 
Yeah. But I liked this one that said, with the indefatigable, deeply engaged and seemingly irreplaceable Norbert Leo Butts driving its storytelling and willing the show's crucial emotional subtext into being by sheer force of talent and will... Big Fish arrives on Broadway as an earnest, family-friendly, heartwarming and mostly successful new American musical. Just slipped it in there at the end. Mostly successful. <laughs> mostly. Mostly. Sometimes it's successful. I think we, we do have to say that the Chicago show got good reviews mm, and it's it only when it got to Broadway that... Or maybe it was really just that the space was too yeah. big. It was too big. I, th- yeah. I think so. I, I don't think the show is f- inherently flawed enough to make it such a write-off yeah. as it seems mm. to have been on Broadway. Yeah. yeah. And then there does tend to be a bit of, um, once things get onto Broadway, a couple of key people will put out their reviews and everyone else will go along with what oh, they well, say. Oh, well, they don't like and, it. Yeah. Yeah. The it, tastemakers. Plenty of shows have been critics. dragged down by that. And you read some of them and they are very on the pretentious end mm. and just mm. like it just wasn't good enough and it's like okay and it's not a pretentious show then it doesn't yeah. yeah okay all right um a couple of things to note about the sort of production elements they were using susan stroman really worked a lot we using um the dancers as set pieces mm. and used them to create the imagery of of things being not quite as they should be so um, she used the dancers as a forest and a campfire, that which is was delightful. Particularly fantastic. Yeah, yeah, with the with the forest. Yeah, because it turned out that the trees turned into that whole coven of witches. Yeah, and it was just like oh, I loved it. It it I I I like that idea of using the cast as. And the set in an integrated kind of way rather than saying we'll make all the special effects with the set and the cast will do the performances and we shall never yeah. cross the line between. <laughs> never the two no, it's, it all needs to be part of the same thing. Uh, so she created a visually lavish production which boasted dancing circus elephants, a mermaid who pops up from the orchestra pit and tree trunks that ingeniously morph into a coven of witches. Um, there's also a few mentions of the really effective use of lighting and, and some of the other design elements so that was really important sort of part of of that first production the ones since had like i mentioned before have really sort of taken stripped it right back put it in smaller venues and um gone for a different sort of uh slant with the design and how the show's material is presented so the australian premiere at sydney's hayes theater a venue which has brought several lost gems to Australian audiences um, put up the first Australian professional premiere in a revamped and reworked intimate production. So that was in 2017. When was the the Chicago tryout? Was 2013 and opened yeah. Broadway in 2013. So and closed Broadway 2015. <laughs> it was another four years before um, it did a professional show anywhere else, and we were lucky enough to have it. Uh, So Anna Gardiner and Martel Hunt co-designed an attractive production. In one corner of the stage, there's a surreal approximation of Will's childhood bedroom that seems to bleed out across the stage and open up to Edward's stories. And there was a lot of use of lighting design and colour in the space and um, projections and things to transform that space into Mm. the imaginary worlds in the stories. So um, very different sort of use 
of how it all worked together. Uh, the cast was highly acclaimed. Apparently, it did very well. Philip Lowe as Edward, um, headstrong with an endless charm and sympathy, carries the show with great panache. <laughs> I love the word panache. panache. I wish people would use it more often. Adam Rennie played Will. Uh, Katrina Retelik, who I actually went to university with. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't, I was going through the show and I was like, I know that name. That's so good. the show Katrina. <laughs> oh, Katrina. No, we were like that. We, were, we weren't like that. <laughs> she was uh, in her graduating year when I was in my first year. Ah. So it's one of those things you, when you see somebody who's at, you know, not the end of her journey but at university, they're the, the third years that you look up to. And, and you're the first years that they look down, down on and complain about. Yeah, like, ugh, <laughs> ugh. Anyway, um, uh, the review I was looking at described her as one of Australia's best and I felt proud. <laughs> Friend of the show, Katrina Rotelik. Uh, she probably has no idea who I am. Anyway, uh, she played Edward's wife, Sandra, expertly tracing her journey from sweet Southern Belle to long-serving mother and wife with great sensitivity. Kirby Burgess um, played Jenny. Uh, and there were a few other names in there. Um, London. London. So, <laughs> London. Full stop. London didn't, <laughs> didn't do great. Mm. Um, Kelsey this? Grammer. Kelsey Grammer played Edward Bloom uh, and apparently couldn't save it from itself, but maybe... It was Kelsey that we needed to move on. Um, he was almost like quite quickly replaced by Jamie Moscato. Mm, uh, he's got some wise wines named after him. Uh, you like <laughs> yes, nice. I assume it's that way. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Matt Seedon Young played Will and Sandra Bloom was played by Laura Baldwin. Uh, they didn't have any of the Young Wills yeah, listed. It, it omitted quite a few characters. Yeah. I don't know if it's just they're omitted in the listings that are available. Uh, Maybe George Ewer, who played Zaki, just played everyone else. Maybe. Um, They also did a a bit of cast doubling um, in that cast. So the witch and Jenny were played by the same actress. So that was sort of a callback to how it was done in the film. Mm. So um, I think they sort of tried to fix it in inverted commas Is that just them being cheap though? Maybe. Uh, well, what is it? Yeah. We, Amos we and Don Price afford... were played by the same person as well. We need to afford mm. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> Nobody else. Uh, let's double a couple roles and cut a whole heap. <laughs> so that was also a smaller scale um, production. Um, Nigel Harmon's production was shrewdly abandoned to the spectacle that supposedly stifled the Broadway version and presents us with a more homespun magic arising in Tom Rogers' design from a hospital bedroom setting. Mm. So rather than go with the kids' bedroom, they've gone with the the piece at the end. That makes sense. In the hospital. Uh, Were I to direct this, I would go for the hospital as well. Mm. I think that's... Keep it simple. Set it all up where it's going to end. Yeah. Essentially. Um, like, because I, I have thought about this a lot because it is one of my favourite movies and when the musical came out I was like, oh, yes, it's a musical. Ooh, there'd be so many yeah. great ways to do that. You know, it's just what I do in my <laughs> spare time. You think about them. All that spare time. <laughs> anyway, so there are a few names. Um, of course, people were also in the film, but it wasn't a musical, so I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. Fair so enough. let's let's talk about who else we might put into it if we were going to cast it. Yes. 
podcasting in our production of The Largest Fish. The Largest Fish. Uh, I want John Lithgow as Carl. You always do. As Carl, you guys. Jeez, as the giant. Because he's Yes, and Carl is kind of the heart of the show. Well, I want Robbie Coltrane. (laughs) Okay. Play a giant once, play a giant forever. All right. <laughs> Poor giants. Okay. Oh, that would. I uh, want Kristen Chenoweth to play the giant. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being cheeky now. She That's could play it. the witch. <laughs> That'd be a very she unmenacing would. witch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think she would be a wonderful Sandra. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sandy. Got that southern charm. And she can definitely yeah. look young slash older mm. as well, depending on how She'd how be an you, adorable Sandra. Yeah. I'd like that. I would like Arnold Schwarzenegger as Carl. <laughs> Why? Why not? Because it's funny. <laughs> All right. Jed and John. Good. Yeah. Well, what are the okay, Edward? I really love Norbert. I don't Norbert think Leobuts you can mess Edward. with that. I think but, he's just but, so perfection. But, but, yeah, but, but we have to. So oh. pick someone. <laughs> I'd like to mess with Will. And I would will. put uh, Zach Efron. Zac Efron. <laughs> no, he should he should definitely be Zacky. No. Zachy but he Price. does have no. a name for it. No. Why? I want him in the show for longer. <laughs> if I'm gonna pay to put Zach Efron in something, I would like to look at him. Well then for he a should be substantial amount Leo of Norbert Butts. No, I mean that's not the character. <laughs> not Edward. Edward. No, he will. Will's in it a fair chunk of the time too. Delight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, who else? Like, um, I, th- I think honestly, if you're going to go for Edward, you need someone who can play both the young and an older character. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris could do it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. But I still think Norbert is the better mm. better casting. You just like the butts. I think. Um, <laughs> I do. I think he's very talented. <laughs> I think um, also two vocal stylings would suit Hugh Jackman quite well because it's that more old oh, school yeah. musical theatre, yeah. and he can do that young old pretty well. Yeah, oh, and we've seen him do the circus thing recently. <laughs> well, he could we got be a Amos. Theme. <laughs> yeah. He could be the werewolf. The werewolf. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, circus. And, and Wolverine. Wolverine. There you go. <laughs> That's perfect. Ridiculous, guys. <laughs> Julie, pen a letter. <laughs> Dear Hugh. Again. I know you didn't come to do our podcast, but <laughs> we, we have had a great idea. <laughs> um, anyone else for Sandra or, or even Jenny? Jenny, 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 Jenny. I mean, Jenny isn't a very vocally. I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to talk over it. Isn't it like a vocally stringent role? It's the same with like Josephine Kim. Oh, I would like to see Sally Fields as Sandy. That would be nice. I know it would be. Can she sing? I don't care. Like. A lot of people that get to do the musical theatre things on the film can't sing, so what does it matter? Can Kelsey Grammer sing or do they have to (laughs) cut some songs for him? Well, he can sing. I just don't think he could sing all of these songs. I'm a Google if Sally. What about, what about, what about, what about love? No, um, what about, I can't remember her name. Miranda's got my problem. From the West Wing. 
What about the woman from the West Wing? I don't wing? watch what the, about West wing? the woman from the, the West Wing. The tall woman from the West Wing. This is why you should have a computer in front of you like the rest of my us. My phone too. died. I don't have my West phone. West Wing. I'm going to kick myself when I get her name. <laughs> TV series, IMBD. Alison Janey? Yes. I love Alison Janey. Great. Come on, Miranda. Yeah. Good. Cassandra? Yep. Or Christine Baranski? Yeah. Mm. She would struggle to play that young, yeah. I think. But she'd be great. What about the witch? Christine Baranski? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the flying nun Sally Field sings "The louder I sing, the braver I get." So she sung in the flying nun. All right. I don't know. The title of that song kind of indicates to me that she might not be able to sing. <laughs> <laughs> the louder Field, I find sing. yourself a rainbow. <laughs> Sally Field okay. can sing. Okay, this is from out of left field. A name that I don't think I've ever brought up before. For Sandra, Stockard Channing. Ooh. Yes. Love Stockard mm-hmm. Channing. I also but love Stockard Channing. But I would go the witch. <laughs> she could yeah. also be the witch. I would like yeah. her as the witch. And because I think I've seen her I've seen her in practical magic with that like spooky vibes. Is she in practical magic? <coughs> yes, she's in practical magic. It's been a long time since she's I've watched practical magic. Okay. I'm pretty sure she's also in Pushing Daisies. Oh, I no. could see her. In no, that's Daisies. Ellen Green. Okay. Ellen Green. Also, the Sandra. Yep, or the witch. Or Jenny. Guys, or Jenny. We're crushing this now. So. <laughs> Not as Jenny. She's it has, quite I'm, old I now. just want to say that I'm very proud that we are female heavy this week in casting. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> Come on. Usually we really focus on the men. I'm really glad that we've. Right. Now that we've got a show we that's do. all men, <laughs> <laughs> all we're going to think of is women. All right. Well, shall we move on? Yeah, sure. Really big fish onto a top five list. What top five list would it be? Top five musicals named after an animal. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Um, Name some more. Cats. <laughs> I was going to say honk, but that's not an animal. It <laughs> no, just is about it's animals. Sound. Yeah. Animal <laughs> um, But honk. <laughs> Um, uh, top top five. five magical realism. Yes, musicals. definitely. Top five flashback movie musical. <laughs> flashback. Yep. It's, it takes the cake on flashbacks, I think. Mm. Flashback, flashback, flashback. There have been a lot of conversions of uh, film to musical. Mm. How do we feel about? I don't I, think it I would don't make think top five. It's gonna make no. it. I don't. I think there are just so many I think really it would make top ten. successful. Yeah, we yeah. don't probably do not top. top. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon you did have to push that out to about top twenty. I I would say probably <laughs> top five most true to source material mm, conversions. Definitely. The same guy wrote it. Well, he wrote the that movie. Helps. He still converted from. from he's the not book. the the book. Yeah. Uh, see. So. Uh, top five musicals that require a giant. Nice. Yeah. The yeah. Casting. Smooth. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Yeah. Top five um, musicals that require a mermaid. Mm. Yeah. The Little Mermaid. That's probably going to be number one. The Big Fish. 
Just it's just big fish. No, it's not the big fish. It's not the really big fish. It's just big fish. It's not just big the, fish. the medium big salmon. It's not big mouth billy bass. <laughs> the tiny tuna um, crustacean. Top five scenes set in a hospital room. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Because you'd have rent on there, you'd have next Avenue to normal Q. on there. Uh, that <laughs> Avenue, I don't think Avenue. Top, top five, five hospital scenes. scenes. I don't think Avenue Q is on there. Avenue Q. I don't think Avenue Q is on there. There is a projection or video of the bleep, bleep machine. I and know. And it's making boobs. I've been in the show. That is top. Five material. No, it's not. Anything that bleeps in this episode and I have made a ruling. (laughs) I think Big Fish is on there as well. Yeah, right. Because also you've got a new brain. Mm. Do I? Which is a lot. (laughs) No, not yet. Uh, (laughs) uh, Would we say top five witch characters? Mm. I don't know. Don't have enough oh, information some, to make that call. There's some big competition. There is, but big I think there's a lot I of witches. I think it could slide in there. Top five and Wicked has two songs about flowers. Yes, Aww. yes, that song for me That's is like the yeah. number Daffodils. one Daffodils. flower song ever. There's a lot of songs about flowers. There but is a lot, but that's a really this, good song. I would that put this like at the top of the list. Don't send me roses. That's a fantastic everything's coming up roses. Everything's coming up roses. Yeah. There's a lot of rose specific yeah. songs. I'm pretty sure there's some lilies as well. Lily's eyes? That's, that's <laughs> not a person. That's a person named after a flower. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, last call. One each, one each. Top five list. No, yeah. I don't have any lamb. Okay, well, last call, period. Top five songs about dragons. Yes. I think it's a great song. Yes. It's, it's probably my favourite song from the show. Fight Your Dragons, it's it's all about the show. I think it's great. Yeah, top, five, uh, top five father-son conflicts. Oh, I should have had that one. <laughs> Too bad. No, top, you can't. You can't. Top, top no, five no, no, father-son no, no. relationships. No, no, no. no Overall. We've, we've no. already called it. I've got it no. on there. I've already called it. I've said it. It's recorded. We're going to go to Lessons Learned now. What have we learned? Sometimes you have to go out of your way to get to know your family. I like um, like the line, um, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Mm. Yes. Good one to learn. Mm. I learned that if you... um Tell tall tales to your family your entire life. They may be a little confused as to the um, actual origin of you and, and themselves. It's a fair call. Yeah. I missed that entirely. <laughs> it's called Don't Lie to Your Family because then they don't really know who you are. Okay. She's got a point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there's a direct quote that I would like to bring up as a lesson. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say whether or not someone can hear you and harder still to know if they're listening. Mm. It kind of ties into my other lesson, but, you know. Mm. I think there's also a lesson too from the will perspective of maybe take life a little less seriously. Yep. Yeah. Just a smidge. Just can't fun. Stop holding a <laughs> grudge. Like, yeah. don't hold a grudge. Like, he's, he's persistent. He's... Doesn't let it go. <laughs> He's also really controlling. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from. Like it just seems to be an innate personality trait. It's never really explored mm. as to why, what made him that way. Because I think um, being raised in this like fantastical sort of story-laden life, it 
this yeah, but it, if you if you find that confusing, then yeah. well, in, in you get the, to that point where you're like, I have to, I have to know what is real. Then that's kind I of it's explored in the movie it. more than in mm. the musical. Like, I also really, think yeah. just get better at storytelling so that these stories become a little bit more realistic. <laughs> because if your son realizes as a small child, oh, nah, doesn't sound true. You're probably just not great at, at making up a good lie. <laughs> We discovered earlier in the episode that maybe sometimes it's worthwhile just, you know, prefacing stories with it's a metaphor. <laughs> Don't take it literally, son. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes it, it pays to be explicit. I think that's a good, 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 a good answer. <laughs> Occasionally for the clear, clarity of communication. Yeah. I, I know there's a lesson in the... Edward slash Jenny slash Sandra triangle there. I'm not sure exactly what it is, though. Compassion. It's like just listen and understand. Something about different kinds of love and dedication. Yeah. It just kind of... Love song dedications. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, Not all werewolves are bad guys. That's good. We already know that from Harry Potter, Zane. Uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Harry Potter's not a musical, Julie. Yes, Yet. it is. A very Potter musical is a musical. Is there a werewolf in that? I don't know. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it. I know what Well, I guess okay, we'll are, just have to do that to get, one week. So I'm going to get off the rail here. <laughs> okay. Well, any, any other lessons? Um, I think there's a lesson to be learned perhaps in... Uh, the reception on the Broadway of not the big fish but just big fish. Mm. Um, <laughs> it, you know, sometimes a small show deserves the intimacy of a small space. Mm. Yeah. And if that's going to be better artistically, then don't force it. Mm. You don't need a multi-million dollar budget to sell a show about imagination. You can use imagination. Oh, but if you've got a multi-million dollar budget to spare, I'll try. I'll try my hardest. If <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, and and I think also there's something further in that about, you know, don't give up on it because it might be the small fish in a big pond, yeah. you know. It doesn't have to win, you know, hundreds of awards. It doesn't even have to go to Broadway. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have merit mm. in its own. It just wasn't in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. Yeah. Broadway isn't the only place for theatre. Don't write it off because some guy didn't like it. Oh, look, it wouldn't be the first show that didn't do well on Broadway but did really well in the amateur circuit. True. Yeah. We've talked about a few of those. Already. And we probably will talk about more in the future. <laughs> let's do that. But before we do that, let's say goodbye to the guests we have and then we'll do the rest of the episodes. Is that okay? Mm, yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, Morgan, tell us where and when we can see... Big fish. Awesome. Well, uh, obviously the location is Phoenix Ensemble. Um, and we are opening on the 27th of April. 
running through until the 19th of May. So we've got a nice hefty four-week yeah, season. That's oh, a wow. long run. Yeah. It is. We found uh, the five-week seasons were just a little bit too long, mm. but we wanted to give everyone good opportunities to see the show, so we decided on four weeks. And get, so all, it is, get all it the is, actors. It's a small house, so mm. it... These shows can sell out very yeah. quickly. We are a very, very intimate 90-seater. Especially yeah. when you add that double orchestra in there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. There's only five, <laughs> five seats a show. It's one of my favourite places to see theatre because it's so intimate. Yeah. It just adds a little sum-sum. It's a very unique space. Mm-hmm. It is. Definitely. I I appreciate intimacy in theatre. I will not sit in that front row, though, because you literally oh, have your feet on the stage. Gosh, no. There's nothing. <laughs> anyway, uh, don't uh, worry. Yeah, it's so, fine. Um, if you like that sort of thing, sit in the front row. It'll yeah. be an experience. It's kind of uh, unintentional audience participation. You don't really get a chance. Oh, in the Fun time. Um. On the thir- up until the 13th, though, you have a week to book uh, early bird tickets. So if you book for opening weekend, you get uh, adults' tickets at kids' prices. Doing it. Nice. Doing it done. Yeah. Doing it, doing it done. Kids' prices. <laughs> it's so cheap. Guys. I love getting places for kids' prices. Yeah. It's been so long since I've been <laughs> able to do it. It's more fun when you're not meant to and you do it anyway. <laughs> Not and that you've ever done that, right? So, <laughs> no, how do we how do we get tickets? We can do it on the interwebs. Of Just search course, Phoenix, Phoenix Ensemble or phoenixensemble.com.au. And all those links one. will be in the show notes and yeah. we'll probably share them on our Facebook yeah, page as well. Yeah, Of yeah. course we will. Well, thank you very much for coming in, Morgan. <laughs> Thanks, Morgan. Pleasure. Did you have fun chatting? An awesome time. Yes. That's all we're okay, here good. for. That's have an awesome time. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, but before we let everybody go, we would like to let you know that, of course, we have a Patreon account. We've talked about it before. We have, if but maybe us... maybe we have new listeners that have never heard our spiel about oh my all gosh. the secret episodes that are yeah, only available to our Patreon stuff. listeners. So Guys. there's some extra episodes and material, like uh, some bonus top five lists and, of course, the first two episodes that we ever recorded. Uh, and you can have access to those things if you chuck us a couple of bucks a month patreon.com slash musicals taught me everything i know check it out there uh you can find us at our home on the web that's not canonproductions.com along with all of our brother and sister and mummy and daddy and little baby podcasts Yay. that we share our network with um we're on the facebook the book of face these uh musicals taught me everything i know you can tweet us at musicals teach me on that the one's twitter a bit different on, on the, twitter, the twitter yes uh you can send us an email that's electronic mail <gasps> musicals taught me this is a fun character. podcast <laughs> at gmail.com Make sure that you subscribe on whatever podcatcher you're using because we would love yes. you to listen to all of our old episodes as Do well it. as Do the millions of episodes that are yet to come your way because it seems like we're never going to run out of shows. How there many are, have we done? There are a lot of shows. We've done almost 40 now. <gasps> wow. We That's must be lot. almost near our one-year anniversary, surely. Close by. Woo! Close by. Maybe Party we'll day. It. Maybe we'll do something fun. We will have a special <laughs> All right. I'll figure something out. <laughs> Facebook he has to party. do it now. He has to Facebook do it now. Facebook party. Uh, so subscribe, rate and review so you can share us with all of your friends and then talk about us at the water cooler tomorrow or do Monday. people still have water coolers? Yes. There's a water cooler in my building. 
Yeah. There is not a water cooler in my building. Just a sink at my work. We <laughs> <laughs> have a filtered tap. We're classy. Well, you can talk about it wherever you get your water locally. <laughs> uh, thank you once again, Morgan. Thank you Thanks, to all of Morgan. our listeners. I have been Miranda Selwood, my co-host this evening. Zancy Weber. Julie Eisentrager. <laughs> and we would love to see you next week for another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. See you then. Bye. Bye. Objectively be bad? Yes. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from it. I'm Alex Smith. And I'm James Keogh. And on our new podcast, My Songs Suck, we talk to writers and musicians who share with us some of their earlier, less good content and reflect on how far they've come. If you want to get in on the fun, head to That's Not Canon Productions or find us on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcatcher you use. My Songs Suck, because everyone makes mistakes. Just make sure you record them. That's not kind of productions podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.